Hello, everybody at home. So we know we're, we're going to talk about a little bit mix of Hanukkah and mix of the portion of the week. And we know the portion of the week is Miketz. And we've got news for you. You're going to have uh, the portion soon in Persian. And we're going to have the simple portion also in uh, Pshat, in simple. So we've got to find a lot of surprise happening on the web and on the app. From January, of course, it's going to go to the next level. So it's very exciting. So the story of this week portion is kind of um, a bit disturbing. A bit disturbing. Not a lot. Joseph is, uh, the good news, is coming out of prison. And uh, Pharaoh is really liking him because of the interpretation for the dream. And we know when you have a dream, the, the, the Zohar in this week portion say that the dream, what's the meaning of the dream? There is, there is what we call a Freud dream, which is more psychological meaning. And then there is more the, the mystical part of the dream. And then there is dream that come from, from your memory. And then there is a dream. I don't know if you can see me. I'm behind the light there. And the, the, there is a dream that come from uh, what happened to you that day. You know, if you have a memory, so that's what happened to you at night. There is a dream that can come from demon, which means it's going to confuse you. And then there is a dream with a message, which is more prophecy. And the idea that, um, that when, when you tell your dream to somebody and it's not such a good dream, based on their interpretation... That's what's going to happen. So you got to be careful. You can't tell your dream to everybody. If you feel that the, that dream might have the wrong interpretation or the person might bring the wrong interpretation to the dream, better not to tell the dream because then they take it into a, the wrong level. So you, usually Kabbalists, when you tell them the dream, uh, 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 my, my children, I know you live and I'm in the middle of a lecture, uh, but you got to stay here, please. Okay? No, no, you especially. Yeah. No, 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 but... I'm sorry I stopped the lecture for you. My son is a Leo, he's never wrong. Here, here. That's what you like, yeah, just here, yeah. Thank you. So the idea of the interpretation, the interpretation of the dream is a, is a quite important thing. So normally you say, Halom Tov, Halom Shalom. Halom Tov means good dream, a peaceful dream. That's what you answer, and then you listen to the dream. So somebody's come to you and said, I had a dream, I don't know what it means. So first thing you say, Halom Tov, Halom Shalom, now tell me your dream. Because you always want to bring a positive interpretation because the Zohar said that the dream is follow the interpretation. Let's say if you are a water sign, usually water sign dream more than any other sign. So they, they can help it. Where does it come from? Uh, we know that Joseph the righteous who had the interpret, uh, interpretation of the dream and he had the dream was Pisces. So uh, Moses was Pisces. So normally Pisces have that natural. They, 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 everything comes to them in the dream. A lot of them so you gotta be careful, you know, if you're water sign, you can't just go to anybody. Just a person who, who listened to a dream cannot have a bad mood. <laughs> the person is in a bad mood, he's on a diet for three days and cleansed, and he says, well, I had that dream, I don't know what I mean. Ah, that's gonna be, you lose all your money. <laughs> Why? You know, and that, that interpretation might happen even if it's not meant to be happening. So you, you gotta be careful. So anyway, going back to the story, so Joseph is basically being liked by Pharaoh. Pharaoh happened to be that evil king. But uh, even if Pharaoh is the evil king, he, he, he's struggling with the interpretation of the dream. And Joseph come up with that amazing solution. Pharaoh fall in love with Joseph right away. He take the ring off his, his hand and he say to Joseph, listen, you're going to be the king of Egypt. I'm going to be the real king, but you're going to be the king in the eyes of the people. Can you imagine from prison... 20 years after the person is in prison, become the king. Unheard of. I mean, maybe you can hear it in the government, but no other place. You know, in the old days, it didn't happen like that. Somebody jump out of prison and become the president. I mean, I mean the, the king. And all of a sudden, he's the leader and he's ruling everything. So what's the sad part about it? Last week, we talked about the brother of Joseph. They sold him to slavery. And, um, you know, in life, whatever you like it or not, um, things come around. You can't cheat the system. You can run very fast, but you can never hide, right? What does that mean? You can run very fast, but never hide. There is, there is a rules of reincarnation. So even if you run this lifetime from fooling somebody or, or treating somebody really not nice, you're going to meet them next lifetime. There's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. So that's why sometimes people born into a family that they don't like, a wife they don't like, husband they don't like, father and mother they don't like, brother, sister. All those people have been with you last lifetime. Whoever you don't get along with, it's people who have been with you last lifetime and you have to find a way to like them. You have to find a way to like them. 
Now, you don't have to fall in love with them, but you have to find a way to at least respect them, at least to treat them equal, fair, you know? And the idea, if you don't, unfortunately, those are exactly the people you're going to meet next lifetime. So that's why you can hide. The, the universe operates in such a way of a cause and effect. And sometimes you hear people saying, uh, I, I'm cheating, or I'm stealing, or I'm this, or I'm that. You, you can't, because it's not against the people you're doing it to. You're against yourself. Because in the end of the day, it's just your accomplishment that matters. It's not what you did or didn't do to the other human being. And for that reason, you know, when you complain about what kind of kids you have, or what kind of brother you have, or what kind of sister, or what kind of parents, you can complain, but it's not going to help. You have to look back to another lifetime and realize that you run into that situation because something that comes from another, another lifetime. There is no such a thing as random in spirituality. There is no such a thing as just because. There is no such a thing as people run into your life just as a coincidence. You know, when uh, we were in Israel, when I arrived to Israel, my cousin invited David and myself to, to her house. It was a very nice dinner that she made for us. And it was a lot of people. And I look at the karma of my cousin, and I said to her, what, what is your secret? You always surround yourself by what I call the right people. The right people the right people who love so much it's pleasant I, I, I think you understand what I'm saying it's not sometimes people look for money and fame but in the money and fame can can be work you know you, you actually find yourself working in the room you know when you go to people who there is only love it's not it's just uh, it's just flowing you can be you they are themselves you know and it's not important and one of the people who happened to be there is a very famous persona. I mean, you wouldn't know him. And sitting there, but because the room was like that, he was allowing himself to be himself as well. So it was so beautiful to watch its flow. So what we learned from that, the ability to love, the ability to forgive, the ability to be kind. And we know that uh, it's a, there's a, one of the Kabbalists, one of the rabbis, name is Oev Israel. The person who loves all the people equally. So they ask him, what's his secret? Why do you just love people endlessly? What, how do you do it? And he answers it in a very unique way. He said, listen, I've been here 10 lifetimes. I was a king already. I was a judge. I was a lawyer. I was everything. There is only one thing I didn't do. I was not able to love people 100%. So this lifetime, I came only for that. To be able to just love people. And I'm reading that story, and to be honest, I, I gotta open up to you, I was a little depressed. I was, I was falling down, you know, like sitting, you know, so I don't know about you, when you read the story, I, I like to think. And I start looking like, how much am I truly acting like that rabbi? How much am I truly unconditional love nonstop? And I find there is a lot of work I gotta do with that. This is, this is a goal. After 10 lifetimes, you get to one conclusion. That's the one goal. Like, I got to love. I got to love people that I'm not in the mood to like them. I'm not in the mood to like them. As I'm reading that story, my cousin, the one who did the party for us, sent me a message on the WhatsApp. And she asking me that question. She said, oh, I think I'm in that level, achieving so many levels. But there is one type of people that I can't like them. All of a sudden, she doesn't know I'm reading the story. And she asking me, what if I see people are not nice to others? Do I have to like them? She asking me that. And I'm looking, I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not yet there to answer that. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not there. I said, what do you mean? You always answer my question. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading a story. And I said, the story. I'm in the middle of the story. You ask me that. I'm judging myself now. Let me judge myself for a few days. Let me go through that. And then I see what's coming after. I don't, because I believe life is a process. To love, it's, a, it's not... It's not just happen to you. There's people who just, um, it, it's for them to love, it's like no, no, no big deal. Like if you take my sister, for example, God bless her and give her health all the time. You know, my sister is a type of person, she's Aquarius, so nothing is a big deal. So if I ask for my sister, I need $200. I'm 
I'm never gonna give you $200. Why is she screaming at me? She give me. Uh, I need to take your car. I'm not gonna give you my car. And she give the key. Why is she yelling at me? She can't help herself. She love, she kind. That's who she is. There is people who are born with that. They are old soul. And they come to the conclusion of love. The question for all of us tonight. Do you have one person in your life you can't stand? One person, two, three, 20, 25. <laughs> what type of persona you can't stand? Is it the one who goes slow? Is the one who processes things slow? Is the people who look at you and judge you? Who is those type of people you can't stand? Now, those people will keep coming. Let me tell you, our brain, we, we might not believe in it, but our brain has a vibration of who we are, but it's not a language that it's written. You know, the only movie that make it like, how you can see the mind, I think was Jumanji. You know, when they press on the, on the chest, and there is who they are, what the strength or power. It's a funny movie. So, not for kids, to my opinion. It was, I, I like kids' movie. So, the thought of, of what you're thinking, let's say, if you are in a, let's say you are a salesperson, and you're going to sell, when you have a vibe about that you're not into those people, and you're, not, you're just into their money, they will not know it, so you don't have to worry. But they will feel vibe that they cannot understand. That vibe that they can't understand disturbing you, not for that cell. That cell will go through the next one. They will say like that. People sometimes say, I don't know what it is. I just don't know. i just not comfortable. I'm going to buy, but I don't know what it is. So you want to create a better life for yourself. You got first to do your cheshbon efesh, your look internally and then talk to people and and if you're not ready if you, you if you're still in a moment of processing wait it will take some time we're not gonna, we're not machine tomorrow we're gonna love more tomorrow we can be kinder tomorrow we can forgive but you need to understand the same type of people will run into your life that is good this is please don't trust me and go out there and look and make a list of all the people that bother you you will have the same type the same type of people, because it's not about them. It's about what I am not capable to love yet. I'm not capable to love a certain persona. For example, I have an issue with liars. When people lie to me, I get angry. I get really upset. I get annoyed by people lying to me. But why? Why, why, why I cannot love liars? This rabbi was able to even love liars. The worst liar he was able to love. Because what is a liar? What bothers us about liars? We can't control them. can't control a liar. Somebody lied to you? can never control them. So if you're a control freak like me, what do you do with liars? You can take it. You can take it because you have to control the situation and you can control that lie. So for example, people who are born in my months like Scorpio, you know, very difficult with liars. They go crazy. You can do anything to Scorpio, just don't lie to them. Okay? So the idea of being able to love unconditionally is a goal of this weak portion. Yosef meeting his brother, the one who sold him to slavery, the one who tried to kill him. It's a moment. It's a moment after so many years, and he is now in a position. He's the king of Egypt. Wow. They come in front of him. They don't know it's him. He dressed like Egyptian, perfect clothes, right? I mean, from wearing something from uh, Target, now he's wearing Gucci, okay? <laughs> so life changed. He's coming into their arena. He's in... They have no clue this is their brother. And I say hello to you. You know, that's a moment of truth now. What do you do? Well, the idea is Yosef basically could kill them, could put them to prison, could do all kind of things. But he played a game with them. And we need to discuss what do you think about it. The game was, he starts with the idea that you are a spy. He called them spy. They didn't have food. They come from the land of Canaan, where is Israel today. And because it was no food, so they went to Egypt to get food. And, of course, all the Middle East didn't have food. Just Joseph was in Egypt because Joseph foreseen what's going to happen. He advised Pharaoh to make sure to save enough food. In those days, they didn't save food. They didn't think like that. Joseph came up with that idea based on Pharaoh's dream. So when they hide all the food, they have enough food in Egypt. Everybody came to Egypt. The brother of Joseph as well. They arrive. 
So he called them spy. So if you want to prove that you're not spy, he start giving them all type of challenges. And every time they, he challenged them, they go back with the money home and they say, maybe they didn't see, he gave us the money. They brought the money. Then he put one of the brother in prison. Then he took the other, the other brother and he playing game with them. And of course, the question is, are you allowed to play a game? Are you allowed to, for the sake of helping someone, to be a little bit tough so they can figure out what they did wrong without you telling them anything? So let's say you are now in a position, somebody took advantage of you, and you forgive them, you don't hate them, but you want for the sake of they will learn some lesson that it's not nice what they did. So what you do, you just arrange a certain situation that they will not suffer, but they're going to have a wake-up call that maybe what I did was wrong. Is this okay? So the Zohar, and that's what I want to read to you tonight. Where did I put the Zohar? I think it's here, right? So the Zohar have that discussion 2,000 years ago. And the Zohar have a discussion that in verse 133, the Yosef Shaya Yodea Torah. Yosef was a wise man, speaks 70 language, unbelievable, wise man. Katuv baloti kom baloti tor. It's written in the Torah, it's written in the Bible. You should don't hold grudge against any human being. You're not allowed to hold grudge. So Yosef, by being Yosef, by being so smart, was he allowed to do what he did? First, we need to understand that you cannot hold grudge according to the Torah. It's a law by God that doesn't matter what the other person did to you. doesn't matter how bad it is. You cannot hold grudge. Now that by itself, it's, it's one of the mitzvot, one of the precepts. And not only you cannot hold grudge, you can also cannot revenge. It's a, it's a shocking thing, right? There's a, there, is a, there is a story about the samurai, the, 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 the empire of, of Japan sent the samurai to kill someone. So the samurai arrived to the area where he need to kill, he get off the horse, he take the sword out, and he say, I am here to kill you in the name of my king. That gentleman spit on his face. He spit on the face of the samurai. The samurai look at him. He take the sword, put it back, and go back to the king. The king asked him, did you do it? He said, no. So why didn't you? He said, it was personal now. He spit on my face. I can't kill him. I'm not allowed. I'm a samurai. If it's personal, I'm not allowed to put my sword on his neck. You have to send another soldier. And this is just a story to wake us up, to understand how important is we're not allowed, of course, the, the lesson of the story is not about that you're allowed to kill when it's not person. That's not the lesson, right? <laughs> Tomorrow they say, Eliyahu it's okay to kill, but just if it's not personal. So you go and pick, oh, I don't hate you, but it's okay, you know, that's not the lesson. I'm worried people will come up with some conclusion. Okay. The idea is don't hold grudge and no revenge. And the story here with Joseph, it feels a little bit off. It feels a little bit off. And I know that every year for the last 30 years I'm giving this lecture, I say Joseph was amazing. Not this year, my friend. This year we're going to a different lesson. Why did he do it to his brother like that? Just say, hey, give me five. I'm your brother. I forgive you for what happened. Let's have, uh, I don't know, hummus or techina, whatever they have, the shakshuga. And, uh, we be together and that's it. You know, go to Jeff Gorman, eat some sandwich and uh, shalom. You know? Why, why you have to do this? His father teach him. These two mitzvot. Don't hold grudge and don't revenge. He teach him that, his father. So the Zohar answer for the own question. God forbid you speak like this about Joseph. So you can never say about Joseph that he, he hold grudge or revenge. He was worried Yosef has only one brother from the same mother, from Rachel. His name is Benjamin. He was worried that they will do the same thing that they did to him, they will do to his brother Benjamin. So he did all kind of games, manipulation, you could call it. And I love the, uh, what's the name, the CEO of Apple who said yesterday or last week that no, uh, manipulation is not negative in any connotation. 
Many people, when they hear, oh, you're manipulation. I went to a chiropractor today. It's manipulation. You manipulate the body to act better. Not all the time manipulation is a bad word. So Yosef used manipulation for the sake of saving the life of Benjamin. So his purpose was not for the sake of the brother to suffer. His purpose for the sake of Benjamin. Still we have all the question, is it still allowed? So the Zohar, if I'm skipping to the answer, and it say, Amar Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi said, Vaidalo niskar shmo shel Yosef belo adgalim. In the end of the, of the Torah, the name of Joseph has not been mentioned among the flag. All the other tribe been mentioned, his name has not been mentioned. It's written after his son, but not after him. It didn't hold grudge. It didn't revenge. But say the Zohar, a shocking thing, the Zohar say, It was ego a little bit. It was ego. Shocking. I mean, of course, you understand, it's not my place to say that Joseph is ego. I'm not saying it. I'm reading what Rabbi Yossi was saying it in the name of Rabbi Shimon in the Zohar. So we cannot have that opinion. We can discuss that opinion. You understand? We are not in that level to grasp that. But Joseph has ego. Let's, let's, let's make it, maybe clear it out. So that means that before you make a decision like that, you got to look inside. I was, do I have the right? Do I have the right to even make a decision on that for the right idea? For I'm not doing it to hurt anybody, but do I have the right? And it reminds me, when my son Yuda was born, my first boy, you know, he was born in UCLA, so the, I was very nervous. When I was there, very nervous, when I put him in the car, I don't know if you ever remember, baby being put in the car for the first time. So my wife said, why are you not driving? I said, I'm not sure I'm, up, I'm the right person for that job. So what do you mean? Can I drive that? Can I actually drive him in those roads from UCLA to here? It's a long distance. And so, are you okay? I said, no, I'm, I'm very nervous. I was very nervous. What's the speed limit? What do you do right? How do I get this package? I look at it like a package. How do I deliver it from hospital to home? And I start panic, actually. I start like thinking like, my God, what if I'm not the right person for this person? You know, you have to ask those questions. I, I, I'm sure some of you went to that. If you have children, at least for your first child, you start question you you're becoming nervous and you the nervousness get to panic the panic getting like uh, oh my god i don't i don't think so i'm not i'm not i'm not good i'm not good and my wife is in the back with the baby i say can you please enough with with looking what's wrong with you and go so i can i can i have to think what's going on you, those of you know me i like to think so that's not the right time to think you know we gotta get there you know the woman is more practical we gotta get home so i don't know what i'm not getting and i start driving 10 miles per hour. Can you imagine? If you know the UCLA road, you go from Westwood, you know, and you're going, and I'm thinking if what to take Wilshire and Olympic, what's more safe? Think like, like, think. And you park the car, you park it so perfect that, that nothing going on. And uh, if you remember, the car seat was complicated because you have to get the thing under and, and pull it. And you need to go to basically UCLA University to study how to put the pieces together. It's all complicated. Today I'm looking at the stroller. It's so beautiful. Boom. The whole day is to put it together and to put it. Oh. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is it my right to be a father? Is it my right to be a husband? Is it my right to be a wife? Is it my right to say what I'm about to say? Is it my right to teach what I'm about to teach to you? Is it those questions has to be asked? Now, why this portion always fall on Hanukkah? It's written about Hanukkah that you cannot light the candle until the last regal uh, food um, leg is living in the marketplace. That's the code name. When the marketplace closed, the old days they didn't have light, 2,000 years ago. 
So when is the marketplace over? When, when it, the stars are coming, when it's nighttime. So people leaving, let's say, now it's 4.30, 5 o'clock, people leaving the marketplace and they start going home. And that's when the time to light the menorah. The Kabbalists explained to us there is a code about it. What does regal mean? What is the foot? What does the leg mean? The leg is the closest thing to the flow. Until your regal, until your level of humbleness will get out of the market, meaning that you get yourself to a place that you are able to feel small, then you can light that menorah, that beautiful menorah. Because the menorah represents light in your life. The menorah presents uh, all the, all the things that you can share, all the things that you can teach, all the things that you can be nice to others. But until you don't lower yourself, you can share a lot because whatever you share comes from ga'ava, comes from ego. We all have ego. You cannot help ego. Those of you who try to work in ego and say, one day I will not have ego, that's ego by itself, you know? And they say, I'm working on my ego, now I'm perfect. Really sound good, right? So the idea of, of this ego is, is for life. It's for life. It's never going to end. But at least to be aware of that. To be aware I have ego, you know? Me and my ego usually give lecture. You know, my ego and me give lecture. And the idea is that we are need to be into a place that when the ego get in, then it's not going to end up well for us, not for the other person. A lot of time we are worried mostly that the ego will hurt other people. No, the ego will hurt you. If you just can't help yourself and you have to say something, maybe don't say it. Maybe don't say it. What would you say? That's the lesson about Yosef. If Yosef consider like a person that had ego according to the Zohar and he shouldn't, that he didn't have revenge, he didn't do revenge, not holding grudge, but this manipulation thing that he want to teach his brother how to be more spiritual, it's not your place, not your place. This is God's place. If you want somebody to teach somebody a lesson, ask God to help you with that. Ask God to help you with that. You know, I remember one time I was asked to do a mission, a very tough mission. I was very young, I was living in New York. And it was this man who was older than me, at least 15 years older than me. And I was asked by my teacher at that time to go and basically crush his ego. I was young. I looked at my teacher, I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in that level, you know, this 15 years older than me, you know, to crush his ego. I said, there's something you gotta do, please. Would you listen to your teacher? It's okay, no problem. So what do I need to do? He said, you go there, you speak for 15 seconds, and then you run for your life. <laughs> so I, I repeat, I said, run? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do I run after I, I crush his ego? 15 seconds crush his ego, and they told me exactly what to say, and then you run physically. I said, physically to run? Yes. So why am I running physically? He said, because if you stay longer than 15 seconds, your ego will go up. You start enjoying the moment. And it's a unique, it's a unique thing. So I remember I went there, it would look so weird, so weird. Like it's not me, I'm Israeli. I like to talk and to explain the meaning and why. Can you imagine, so I go to the person and say, let me tell you what's wrong with you. And I start running. <laughs> and the person look, I'm sure, and I'm, while I'm running, I think, I think I'm stupid, I think I'm crazy, I think I'm mentally ill. Something is wrong. So in the next morning, I'm expecting him to come to me. I'm sure, for sure, we're praying together, we meditate together. So I'm going and I'm praying, I'm holding the book, and uh, God bless his soul, his name is Yaakov, very unique person. And we're still friends. So we finished the prayer, he said, can I talk to you in a second? And I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna scream at me or gonna slap me in the face, one of the, one of the two. And much older than me and I respect him very much. So he take me aside and he give me a hug and start crying. I said, well, why are you hugging me? I mean, yesterday I was, he said, don't speak, please. So why? Say, I felt the love you gave me. And I'm thinking, love? It wasn't love, it was, you know? Say, I felt the love. You didn't want me to get hurt. You didn't want to look at my face. You just say it and you run. So your ego don't get in. He felt me. And since then, you know, a very, very close friend. And what I'm trying to say to you, when you're about to say something to somebody close to you or far away from you, don't dig too much. 15 seconds. 
If you can say whatever you say in 15 seconds, it's enough. If it's longer than 15 seconds, for sure the ego is in. The ego is already in. So you talk to somebody, you want to tell them what's wrong. You know, if you are like me and you're Scorpio, usually Scorpio, we build a tower. You know, we're going to bring what happened 20 years ago, 15 years ago. We don't bring one piece of laundry, we bring it all. Let me tell you, I remember two years ago, don't do what I do. You know, I'm still working on it, of course. And just go and say, hey, listen, yesterday was absolutely wrong. That's it. Finish that, go next subject. Nothing happened. You feel that if you don't, if you are like me, that if you didn't say the whole thing, they wouldn't get it. But that's when you want, you want to be the messenger. You don't want to be God to bring God into the game. You want, I want to tell them what's wrong. I want to tell my son how to behave. I want to tell my wife what she did wrong yesterday. I want to tell my, my sister what I, no, 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 no. And I, I had to tell you, you know, my mom, God bless her, yesterday I had to talk with her. And today I, I talked to my mom as much, as much as I can. So two days ago I called my mom and she complained. My mom, that, that's a, she sits from the Middle East, so the normal tradition is to complain. It's, it's part of life. It's not that it's, they're bad. They're just, they're, uh, how are you? Let me tell you. <laughs> Even if it's good news, it starts like that. It starts always. Not easy, not easy. And, and you, you, if you have to go to that. You have to go to that. And I'm like, if something get tired, I say, Mom, what, what's that? Your sister. So uh, my sister again, what happened now? And I start like talking to her. And I felt I was preaching a little bit too much. And you're not supposed, you're not allowed actually to preach your parents. You're not allowed. So today I called her and said, I, I got I to fix it. And I didn't need to do nothing. I just talked to her. I said, Mom, you sound so happy. What happened? So there is, there is a food called, you wouldn't know, it's a donuts of Tunisian. It's called Svenj. I don't know if you know. It's a dough, fried dough, as everybody know. And she's extremely happy because everybody's doing it together with her. So she's happy. She even forgot about yesterday. How come? Because when you look inside to see what you did wrong, the negativity of that action that I felt I was a little bit preachy, it's gone. If you're looking inside, let's say you had an argument with your wife, husband, or something like that, and you felt you went a little bit too far with that, look internally, think about what you did wrong, the energy is going away. I'll tell you more than that. Business, for example, money. Let's say you want to have, you draw more customer. As I said before, customer feel you. There is a language, that it's not in the word, not in the body language, it's vibration, it's called in the level of Keter, it's a vibration in the level of the non-physical level, and in that level, in that level, there is a connection. There is a gentleman, he's going to be my new friend, I met him today for the first time, coincidence, that's no coincidence, and he started opening, he's, I'm his client, I'm his new client, but he started to open up to me. And he, I'm looking like, I don't know why he's open up to me. And he said to me, you see this room? I rent this room. Now I have the whole office. I was working in this room that you're looking at, this little room for 12 years. Then I opened up my mind. That I decided to work with my mind, not with my hand. Not with my lips. I'm a very good speaker. I'm very good with my hand. I decided to do something here. And once I changed something in my mind, People start knocking on the door. People start feeling me. People start telling me, hey, do you want to rent the old flow? And I say, I don't have that budget for the old flow. He said, don't worry about money. We want to give it to you. And whenever you're ready to pay, pay. And he's looking. So what's going on? So I don't know. We feel something from you. You want to get that from people? You got to be able in your mind to remove that something called gava, ego. How do you remove ego? You can't judge yourself too. Because if you say, I'm not sure I'm good enough. Who tell you, who give you the right to even judge yourself? That's ego too. To say I'm not good enough, you're not that great to say that you're that small. Did you understand that verse? You're not that great yet to know that you are that small. So if you're already saying that I'm too small, that's ego too. That's when you're all great. Oh, I know that I'm not good. That's ego. I know it's ego. So everything is ego. Everything. Once we cancel that ego to say anything, so we flow. Once you flow, the river open, money is open, people come into your life. New people, by the way. New people start knocking on the door and, wow, what's going on? What did I? It's just opening. Then you're able to love. 
Because how can you not love somebody who's doing the same mistake like you? People, we all do the same mistake. I judge, they judge. It's okay. I, I, I did the same. You know, I laugh about that. You laugh. Okay. And then you forgive. They forgive. Easy to forgive people. So the lesson of yourself for us, before I'm going to the next lesson, is to be able to still helping people, but don't get too involved. Let God run the show. Somehow God is still involved in this universe. I know that some of us think he went to Cancun and he's going for Christmas, he's going to Vancouver, you know, or, or Vail, Colorado, but he's still, still in the business. Let me tell you a secret. God's still running the show. And we, we feel like we, without my words, my kids will not get it. Without my words, my wife will not cook the chicken enough. Or without this, you know, you, you, you need to understand things happening in a certain way. Let me tell you a story now. About 280 years ago, you thought it's about me, right? 280 years ago, the Baal Shem Tov, those of you who don't know who was the Baal Shem Tov, Baal Shem Tov was one of the greatest Kabbalists in the, in the city of Mizebush in Ukraine. So the Baal Shem Tov believed that if you want to correct anything, you want to correct the ego, you want to correct your life, your business, everything you want to correct, you do mikveh. Mikveh is like a, like a small pool that men are supposed to go every morning. And when you go there, you change your consciousness. Why? Because the mikveh is a certain size of a certain amount of water that it's like become your mother womb. And you go to the mother womb into the water and you're born again. You're kind of coming out of the mikveh new. But what happened in the winter in Ukraine? I don't know if you've ever been in the winter. I was there in February. And it's all ice. It's all snow. So what the Barashevdo used to do is to break the ice and... He put his body inside. It's very painful. Very painful. Those of you who never did snow mikveh or ice mikveh, it's very painful. So one of the farmers was looking at the Baal Shem Tov one time that as he came out from the water, I don't know if you ever experienced that, because of the water attached to the ice, you can't let go. And then the skin might tear apart and the Baal Shem Tov start bleeding. That rabbi start bleeding. So the farmer felt so bad for him that what he did, he covered that hole in the ice with some dirt, so the next time it's going in, it will not be so painful for him. He didn't know who was the Baal Shem Tov. He didn't know he's a miracle maker. The Baal Shem Tov saw that farmer, said, come for a second. Did you do it for me? He said, yes, I, I, I couldn't see you suffering. So you can ask any blessing you want now. You want to be rich, you want to be the head of the village, or you want to be living a long, long life. So I don't, I don't know what I want. I mean, I want whatever, it's the best thing for everybody. Wow. So you are righteous without even study. So I will bless you with all the blessing. What happened? That place where the Baal Shem Tov was, that water become basically a healing water. So everybody used to come to that village to basically cure themselves from disease. And that was on the piece of land of the farmer. So they used to pay him. He become rich. When he become rich, he become the head of the village. Come to the end of the village and he live a long, long life. What we learn from this, so many lessons, so many lessons about life. Many times with our ego, we know what we want. You know, right? If you go to all those courses, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, uh, Les Brown, not that I'm, I'm, um, I'm talking bad about it. I think it's great lectures. But sometimes when you go to those lectures, you're busy with one thing. What do I want? How to get what you want, how to get what you want now, how to get it really, really what you want. Those of you did all the courses. So, not always busy with what you want. There is a flow of something better for you. And you got to be open for that flow to come down. And for that reason, when we talk about Yosef, when we talk about the Baal Shem Tov, that flow of gift is available. You can become the next Yosef. You can become the next uh, uh, leader in, in Egypt. Whatever Egypt is today, it can be Los Angeles. It doesn't matter where Egypt. Egypt is not a place. It's a condition. Egypt is a condition. That's what Egypt is. Your place of work can be Egypt. You know that everybody don't like you or against you, but there is a switch. When you change it, it's changed. Just be careful that you don't start to preach everybody after that. Now, there is two more lessons, and then I'll let you go, as I promised. Whoa, already talking for too long. And, yeah, so it say, it say like that. When Jacob realized that Joseph was kidnapped, 
What happened? What happened to him? He become depressed. When a person becomes depressed, is no longer connect to the essence of the truth. You can't know what's going on. It's all become ganus. Ganus mean hidden. How many times in your life you run into a situation that you cannot figure it out? You don't know why it happened to you. You don't know why the relationship ends. You don't know why somebody took advantage of you money-wise. You just don't know. You don't know why things are not working for you the way it's supposed to work. That's called ganuz, gniza. Gniza. When you want to put a seed in the ground, atagonez. You are hidden. You hide the seed. And when you hide the seed, it's giving a chance for the fruit to come out. So what do you need to do? I don't know how many of you ever work as a farmer. I happen to be in a kibbutz, so you have to work as a farmer. So... When you plant the seed of whatever you want to plant, you have to have emunah, you have to have faith, you have to have belief system, you have to have uh, certainty. And at that moment, if you don't have certainty, that seed that you put in the ground, until it will grow into anything, between the beginning or the time, you start giving up. And the moment you're giving up is because you get depressed. How many times in your life you gave up too soon. You got to look inside. You're never going to know when you gave up too soon. You know why? Because if you gave up, you never saw what you gave up. When you're giving up something, you can never know that you give it up. Those of you who work door-to-doors when you were maybe younger, and you go door-to-door, one of the most depressing jobs that exists in the world, but one of the best jobs that can open you up like to the level of belief system that never happened before. And you go door to door. Or those of you are on the phone, I don't know how many of you call people and call, and you got no, and no, and no, and no, and no, and no. The 200 customer is the yes. Usually the under the 97 customer is the worst customer you're going to have. It's the worst disappointment. So when I used to train people who used to do door to door or phone calls, in business I used to train people like that, I used to tell them, the three call before, the three door before, is usually a nightmare. If it's a nightmare, three doors after, it's the, it's the gift. It's the customer is ready for you. If you don't pass through the under 97, 200 will never discover itself to you. Why? It's very similar to what the Kabbalists say about Hanukkah. In the holiday of Hanukkah, we are discovering something called the 36 candle. If you count all the candles that we light, first night, one and the last day eight, so you do one plus two plus three plus other. So it's 36. The 36 is what we call the Or Aganuz La Tzadikim. When God created the world, it say that God created the light. But the light that God created was hidden. When is that light revealed? On Hanukkah. Why Hanukkah? I mean, what is this holiday? I mean, it's not even a serious holiday. It's just... Let some menorah, eat some donuts, we have some lecture, drink some tea, and that's it, going home. That's it. Well, Shana is very serious, everybody kind of nervous. They don't know what God's going to say about us. There's some book, they're writing about us, all the bad and the good. Yom Kippur, you're fasting, they don't know what's happening. Sukkot, you got to go to Sukkot and shake some vegetables with you for seven days, very confused. You know what happened? Simcha Torah, you go with the Torah. It's just, everything is a serious holiday. Hanukkah, you light some candles and uh, some memories of people kill people and uh, you're going off to sleep. What is with that holiday? We know that the story is about a can of oil that was hidden. And they discover it. They, they, they discover it and then the miracle took a place. That can of oil, to find the can of oil, tell us the Kabbalists, you need to have emuna, you need to have faith, you need to have certainty. When you go and look for something with certainty, or when you go to look for something with uncertainty, whatever you find it or not, the results are different. Let me repeat it, it's very important. When you're looking for something with certainty in your mind, and when you're looking for something with uncertainty in your mind, whatever you find it or not finding it, the results are not the same. Even the results are the same, it's not the same. Some people tell me they're looking for soulmate. 
You know, many people will not marry, always tell you, oh, I'm looking for my soulmate. You're not looking for a soulmate. You are searching for a soulmate and you enjoy keep searching. You keep on searching and searching and searching because your purpose is never to find your soulmate. Your purpose is to search. For, you enjoy the journey of searching. <laughs> you don't enjoy finding because in finding you have to commit and get married. Who knows what's going to happen after? So you're searching. Some people are searching for spirituality. They never want to find spiritual path. They just want to search for spiritual path. But they're never going to find any spiritual path because they, 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 they keep searching. Searching. When you in your mind, I'm going there to find it. I'm going there to find it. You already in your mind, set up your mind, you're going to find it. When you find it, that's called organus. That's called the hidden light that God was hiding. That light only appears on Hanukkah. The entire it's, this, its cover, on Hanukkah it's appear. The same thing on this week portion. Jacob could not know that Yosef is alive. Why? Because he was depressed. Why are you depressed? Do you ever ask yourself why you said? I know about me when I'm sad, when I'm down, it's because I don't believe. Simply, I don't believe. If I believe, if I believe that the next moment is the most gorgeous moment I'm ever going to be, even if this moment I'm in pain, the next moment is great. But I need to know it's going to be great. Believe will not help. Uncertainty, I'm not sure it's going to be. Even if the good moment is coming, while you're having uncertainty, the good moments you will not enjoy. It. Even your soulmate knocking on the door. When you are not there to believe that good things are coming, you don't even see the soulmate. Say, I'm sorry, I gave charity in my office. Go home. We can't see because the attitude is not coming from a place I know that the next thing is there. Hanukkah gives you this power. Hanukkah gives you that power of certainty to know. No longer, you should no longer wish for things to happen. Change the wish, the washy-washy, as they say, wish into absolutely, I know the next one is good. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard because once you start having certainty, the first thing you're going to meet is uncertainty. You have to remember. Once you decide, let's say, to die, you decide, from now I'm not going to wish anymore. I'm going to have certainty. Everything that can go wrong, I'm preparing you. What's going to go wrong? Everything. I remember the day that I, I decided that oh, it's all about certainty, all about certainty. I was in Queens Boulevard, those of you who know New York. I'm Queens Boulevard. I have my first flat tire. I was new into New York. And I'm with a nice suit after, after a, a lecture. And you know, you change your tire, you're happy. And I'm thinking to myself, I have certainty, I have certainty, I have certainty, I do, I do. You know, I keep myself. And then rain starts coming. Rain starts coming when I'm changing. I still have certainty you're not going to break me. You're not going to be. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I couldn't keep it for too long because five minutes later, I have the second flat tire. And then, I don't know if you understand, you don't have another tire. A car has one. So, spare tire, you have one. So, so you, I'm thinking it, and then you, you can feel the voice is kind of... Uh, and you start... You want, to, you want to curse, you want to scream, nothing starts to look right. What am I doing here? Why am I even believing that? I'm wet, nothing works right, and the car is in the middle of nowhere, nobody's stopping to help. What is happening here? This is wrong. And you know when you, and, and thank God God is the rulers and not human, and God is forgiving us because God knows we have a certain amount of battery, how much we can take the certainty. But God also sending us people who have it. I don't know how many people in your life that you meet that have true certainty. So I, I was blessed because I needed with many people who have so much certainty where, where they shouldn't have certainty. And I, I, I remember when I, I'm going to give a lecture and I, and I meet those people and uh, it happened to be last year. Last year, I was invited to... Uh, read my book, uh, children's book, uh, The Snail with No Shell. Those of you who read it, it's about a snail whose who's life changed because of certain thing. And I was in a hospital where um, children in a tough condition, tough condition in Miami, uh, going there to the hospital. And I had to read it three times. So in one, the second time, 
the parents come with the kids and those kids based on the doctor has maybe two percent chance to make it you understand what i'm saying two percent chance and in my mind i have to be honest i'm not here to lie to you i had my doubts you know what, what, what am i doing here what am i reading book when i'm playing big shot on them what is this so thank god i had one of my students with me i had my wife there and one of my students and he saw that I'm going through a storm in my mind. And I'm kind of looking at the kids. I look at the condition. I look at the chances. And the nurse keeps saying, thank you for coming. Thank you for being so kind to give them the book for free and the gift. But in my mind, I'm going through something else. And I'm looking like, my God. But when I look at it, it was a mother there. And she said to me something. And I'm looking at her. I try not to cry, but I cry after that. And she said, thank you for believing like me that the kids has a chance. And I'm listening to her words. What am I doing now? What am I doing? I couldn't do it. So thank God my student was there. So I said to him, uh, I can read. I, can, I just can't read. Please, please help me sit next to me. You read the book. I said, no, you're the right. No, you can read. I said, no, you, please. I'm not there. I'm not there. I need, I need to pray to be there. And you see the parents, the emuna, the certainty in their kids going to be okay. They don't even have a doubts. They don't even have a doubt. It's not even a doubt. It's not like maybe for sure. Yeah, we're going to get out of it. We're going to overcome it. And David and me then took a tour with the, the hospital and the nurses showing us the doctors. So we, we walk with the doctors, the professor and the nurse. And I look at the nurse. I said, you, you, you are an angel. This is the tough job. And she looked at me and said, Eliyahu, you know, our power is the kids and the parents. They believe. They make us believe. And we see, we see change. We see when the parents and the kids start to believe, the kids actually get better. So what do you mean? I mean, there is a proof to it. The doctor said, there is no proof. We don't understand it. It's almost like placebo effect. Once they start to believe, once they start having like not maybe even, Things start, the conditions start changing. And this is bringing us to the idea of Jacob. It's not that Jacob, God forbid, something was wrong with him, but when sometimes when life hit you, I don't know how many of you went to a problem in life, it's difficult to believe. It's difficult. You get wrong report about your condition. You get wrong report about your business. You get wrong report about when you know something's wrong in your relationship. You got to pull yourself together and do something. And for that reason, it's written that the way you know somebody has certainty or not is the amount of happiness. Happiness equals certainty. So when I'm not happy, I know I have doubts. I have doubts about myself. I have doubts about God. I have doubts about my surrounding. When I'm happy, that means I start to believe in my surrounding. I start to believe in God. I start to believe in myself. So it is the ego not to believe that you can get out of it. It is an ego. If you start to believe that you're not going to get out of a situation, not only you're not going to get out of the situation, unfortunately, the chances to meet the two under door, that chance that you're going to meet the best of the best of your life, is not going to meet you. It's going to stay ganuz. Or a ganuz is going to stay hidden. And that hidden parshem and this, this can of oil will be hidden until you go look for it with a certainty you're going to find it. That's what Hanukkah is about. So that's why the relationship to Jacob's story is so tremendous. Because Jacob, at that moment, you know, that he heard that his son died. And they brought him all the proof. Because life will bring you all kind of proof for your uncertainty. When you're absolutely uncertain about something, life will make sure you have certainty, absolute certainty about how bad it is. And when you have absolute certainty that it's good, and for that reason, you gotta you gotta verbalize it. Not enough to think it. You have to verbalize. I know it's good. 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 And if you are in the end of a doctor, the doctor is not your solution. Neither the nurse or the hospital. But <coughs> if you believe uns with your certainty that the doctor, the nurse, the hospital are a messenger of the mighty one, you know what just happened? They become <coughs> the messenger of the mighty one. And that's what the Kabbalists write, that every doctor has angels next to them, called Raphael, the angel Raphael. 
Sometimes Raphael is small, sometimes Raphael is big. And they ask, what's defined the size of the angel? He say, how much that doctor has ego or no ego? If the doctor has too much ego, the Raphael is very small. <coughs> if the doctor has uh, almost no ego, he has a large Raphael. It reminds me a story. When Debbie went to give birth, Debbie has a certain condition. She can tell you later about her condition when pregnancy. And usually you have to get a very special doctor to, to take care of it because there is a serious danger. <coughs> so we're going to UCLA. We just moved to LA. And I'm Israeli. So I said, I want to meet the doctor. So I meet the doctor. His name is Dr. Tabash. I serve in the Israeli army, I'm not ashamed to say it, as the infantry. So I've been in Lebanon, Tabash town, a little bit from that area, you know. So I want to talk to him. I meet him, he look also like that I'm worried now. And what I said to Debbie is because we don't have money, I guess we end up with that, uh, that guy. And I'm judging, that's my certainty level. You got to understand how far uncertainty can take you. So I'm sitting there and I can't believe that. All of a sudden, the nurse come by. So, what is your last name? Say, GM. Say, can I sit with you if you ask a few questions? Yes, well, what's, what's the next bad news now? What do you want? You're also from, uh, I don't know, Syria, Lebanon? <laughs> and I'm sitting there. And say, how did you end up with this doctor? I said, you speak Yeah. Uh, I said, what, what do you mean? Like, you want to talk like open? Or? I said, no, no. D do you know who the doctor is? So I don't know what the doctor is. He said, this is Dr. Tabash, the Dr. Tabash. So it's Dr. Tabash. He said, he's the head of all the West Coast for special surgery for women who want to give birth. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know who he is. You know, in those days, we didn't have those smartphones. Right away, Google it. And uh, and then I, then I go, and I want to meet him now. I want to meet him and say, hi, are you? Are you, are you? say, yes, that's who I am. And uh, I speak Arabic, I say, you speak Arabic? I say, yes, I'm from Lebanon. And I was about to say, I was nervous to say that I served there. No, I didn't. I don't want to, better not to mention. And exactly, no word. Um, so we neighbor, I'm Israeli. I said, no problem at all. I say, listen, I'm a spiritual guy, so I have all those requirements that I want you to do. I want you to bring a holy water I'm going to give you. I want to wash my wife with that because I know it's a dangerous surgery. I'm not allowed in. So, you know, nobody's allowed in beside me and the two nurses. And he said, what else you want? I said, I want you to take this book of Zohar, the holy book next to it. So give it. What else can I do for you? So I also want to do it. Okay, whatever you ask, I will do for you. Now, you need to understand, if you Google him later, Dr. Tabash, you understand who he was, or he is, he's still alive. We talk about the head of all high-risk pregnancy, if you know what it is. And the guy was lowering himself like to a carpet, like nobody. He didn't play big shot. He didn't make himself look like a big shot. And somehow, how did I get to him? I was teaching, uh, in those days, I was teaching at NBC, the TV. So I was giving lectures there all the time. And the head of NBC happened to know, she said to me, I heard your wife needs somebody. I didn't know she would send me to a person who was that good. I thought she giving me whatever she can. What I'm trying to tell you is, when the ego crash down, the real you is out. When the ego is out, the real you is ganus, is hidden. If you want the real you to come out, you can cover it with ego. You can cover it with how people think of you, how much they like you, and how depressed you are, and what it is. Because you are ganus. You are hidden. You are under the ground. You're not revealed yet. The reason for ego to be appear so strong is because the real me is not ready to, to, yet, to yet come out, so I'm giving you the ego, I'm giving you the fake me. The real you is so beautiful, so pure, so loving, so forgiving, it's so connected to the truth. So before I let you go, and now all of you need to go home, so I just want you to close your eyes, and I want you to see yourself who you are, and how beautiful you are. And I want you to look inside your soul, and see yourself for who you are without ego, without judging yourself, without sadness. See how beautiful your soul is. Your soul is the most beautiful thing that God created. 
and promise yourself that you're going to work on slowly, slowly remove that layers of ego that's protecting you for so long. And through the miracle of Hanukkah, you're going to discover the oil within you, the true gniza, the true can of oil, the true miracle within you. I want to wish you a happy Hanukkah and a wonderful, wonderful evening to all of us. And I want to wish my dear, dear friend Michelle with her evil birthday today. Happy birthday for you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday.